There are no bold predictions to be made, but it is still Freaky Friday on the podcast daily, and we've got, um, I don't know, what, five or six days to break down for the Buckeyes. Not a lot has changed, but we'll get into what has or hasn't. That's Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham over there. I'm Austin Ward, and other than... Uh, I'm just one- laughing because we were just talking moments ago about how hard it is to get your own name right on these shows, and then Struggle. there you go. Again, it, I put it right into my brain. Moments ago, you mean like yesterday when we did the pick show? I mean that. No, I mean moments ago after we finished recording the pick show, but before we started to record the podcast daily for Friday. Man, it's given away. I just think it was- it's time to just pull down the veil. Okay, <laughs> like it's time for open. It's time for transparency with everyone. I'm tired of the lies. Are I thought veils were usually pulled up. You pull them down. Yeah, the veil has been up. Oh. Thusly, it is now removed. If the veil was up, then everyone could have seen everything from the start. Mm. I don't Mm. think you know how veils work. (laughs) It depends on if the veil is coming from the bottom of the floor or the top of the head. All right, we're off. You can tell it is Freaky Friday. Uh, Ohio State has not made any adjustments to the coaching staff. They have to sit and wait for their postseason fate uh, on championship weekend. Uh, the transfer portal official entries cannot be made until Monday from Ohio State, but that did not stop Omari Abor from announcing his att- intentions to leave. We expect there will certainly be a few more from the Buckeyes, but uh, there's an opportunity to make moves as well. Players are already in the portal, so let's let's have a little portal chat, shall we? First of all, Omari Abor exiting the program my surprise level from a scale of one to ten was a zero. What was yours, Bill? Can can it be? Uh, can we go negative? <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> can it be less than zero. I think. Um, yeah, I, you know, Omari Abor has been on social media in the past. I think uh, making it well known that he was perhaps not the happiest uh, being here at Ohio State makes me wonder why he came here in the first place. But uh, you know, every every uh, kid is entitled to make that decision and then reassess it uh somewhere down the road so that's what he's doing not not surprised uh like you i, I think uh we all thought this would eventually happen I, I thought it would have happened last year and it didn't but but it's happening now and and i'm sure uh did not catch ohio state uh, by surprise no it so- like larry, John- larry johnson ohio state were sort of the the safety option for omari abor it's what uh, and i don't even know if that's the right term he was sort of forced to pick Ohio State because the schools that he was most interested in at that time, Texas A&M, LSU, a few others, didn't have room for him. Um, and then you compound that lack of interest and lack of buy-in with injuries that he suffered in the last couple of years. And this was one that seemed pretty pretty cut and dried. Yeah, I was going to ask you why he wound up choosing Ohio State in that circumstance because we went on a tour of Texas, tried to interview and talk with Amari Abor a few years ago, and we... We ran into a little bit of resistance on that front, but it still seemed at that time like, oh, yeah, I definitely would like to play for Larry Johnson. And it, it seems like maybe something else was really pushing that decision for him, as you said. Yeah, it was, uh, oops, kink. No one else wants me. <laughs> and uh, not, you know, he was a good player coming out of high school out of Duncanville, one of the elite programs in Texas. And, and unfortunately, uh, he's a player that has learned the hard way that uh, college football isn't easy. And you are not going to walk into a program like Ohio State and have things be handed to you. And like I said, you compound that with the injuries. And and uh, it seemed like the right recipe for a kid looking to make a fresh start. And hopefully he gets a chance to do that somewhere where he's going to be happier and, and has a chance to get on the field. 
Bill, it was posed to me a number of times, like, well, why would Omari Abor, if he got through this point and got through two years, why why leave now? Like you're you're on the brink. If if JT Tuimolo and Jack Sawyer head off to the NFL, you know, you're gonna there. I guess from a depth perspective, it's probably not ideal for Ohio State if they don't get good news from JT and Jack, but uh, there is an opportunity that they do get good news from those guys, depending on what happens with the NFL talent evaluation. So it, from I guess I'm trying to figure out if it's a big deal or not a big deal, and, and we might not know the answer for that for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it, it's it does make it interesting, right? Like, I guess you, I guess if you're someone who thinks you might want to transfer, like waiting for those kind of dominoes to fall, I just, I just don't think is an option anymore. So I get, I get why maybe Amari wouldn't want to do that. Um, you're right. The impact of it does depend on what happens with, with JT and, and Jack. I don't know that I have a great feel for that. I, I guess I would kind of hedge it and say one goes and one stays. And then which one, I, which of the two I, I, does what, I, I don't know, but, um, Assuming you get one of those back, you got Kenyatta Jackson, you got Caden Curry. Um, you know, is there another guy who emerges there that makes Omari Abor feel like maybe he would have been at best the fourth option at the defensive end? Maybe, maybe the fifth. I, I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't think at any point as I kind of projected out the defensive line that I expected Omari Abor to be a, a part of the future here. So um, I guess he felt the same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that next guy is, I mean, depending on what Mitchell Melton decides to do with his college career, is Mitchell Melton is that next guy. And you have Caden Curry, as you mentioned. You have Kenyatta Jackson, and then you potentially have the the impact of, of a JT2 Maloa with Jack Sawyer deciding to stick around, or both. Who knows? I mean, you never know what happens in this era of college football. Um, they could both go transfer somewhere else. Who the hell knows? It doesn't matter if they're going to the NFL or maybe they want to go play at, at uh, Texas. Who Who knows anymore? But uh, the, what we do know is that you have guys like Mitchell Melton in the wings. You have young players that, that have been waiting to play like Kenyatta Jackson and get more reps and Omari Abor's health and just didn't really put him in a position to, to be that guy to make an impact. So there will be more. You cannot add through the portal without uh, losses in it. That's the way that the game works. It's a two-way street. We'll see how many more guys uh, elect to follow suit like Omari Abor did and go in when that portal opens for officially for Ohio State players on Monday, although they can say they're going to do that whenever they want. Um, there are players available for Ohio State right now. Bill, if you're looking big picture, I think Berm's you know, working on if there are offers out and what, what's going on right now. He can get to that in a second. But if you're looking at this and you're roster managing as Ryan Day and Mark Pantone, what do you think is the most pressing position or, or, or two or three that this team may need to look at? I, I would... Probably put defensive line at the top, right? If because the, the the scenario exists where they lose both JT and Jack, and lose their top three defensive tackles, right? If, if Tyleek Williams and Mike Hall want to want to cash in on some draft stock, and Ty Hamilton, who I believe, still has eligibility left, could just decide he wants to stop playing college football and, and and move on as well. So that is a doomsday scenario. And and even if you don't quite suffer it that way, if it's just a you know half those guys leave or a couple of them, I st I still think you need to replenish there and i know they know they did that with getting like taiwan malone last year i think maybe you still look at a pass rusher either way if you're ohio state certainly a, a tackle maybe a bigger body tackle um i don't like i like katie mcdonald as much as the next person hero canoe is certainly a guy who i think has a bright future here you're just talking about a lot of inexperience on that defensive line and, and maybe you want to find somebody else 
um, who can help bolster that a little bit if that player is available. I, I think I might say the same thing about linebacker if it ends up that the Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, and Cody Simon all end up moving on um, from the program, which I, th- I think could happen. Maybe Cody Simon decides he wants to come back, but even then, how good do you feel about it? And, and I know they they got the the Northwestern kid, Nigel um, Glover, right? Glover. This is, yeah, Nigel Glover. Um, it's kind of weird we didn't talk about him at all this year. Um, to to be in that mix as well, and like CJ Hicks and guys rising up, but it's just a matter or a question, I guess, of like how much does Ohio State want to rely on youth, or how much does it want to provide that youth a little bit more runway to maybe develop in the program? It's a tricky question, right? Because you're talking about recruiting over guys that that maybe feel like have bided their time. But who's to say that they're actually ready? So um, I think those two spots on the defensive side come to mind. And then on offense, uh, I think maybe tight end might be the position where I look and say they, they need something the, the most there. I, I'd listen to an argument for offensive line, but if you're going to lose Kate Stover, I don't know what you're going to get out of G. Scott if he ends up you know stepping into the tight end one role next year and, and joe royer's just had an unfortunate run of injuries that that i don't know if that can be relied upon either and, and you know we're all high on jelani thurman but i think you still need more there um so i think maybe a, a veteran tight end option would, would be of need as well berm what's going on in the portal i just want to before we even dive into that let's let's try to grasp how absolutely horrendous the job of team building is in college football right now like what an absolute farce we've created in this sport. It's unbelievably bad. You are building an 85 man roster one year at a time, the way that things are currently constructed. And it is just so stupid. It's so stupid. Not necessarily. If you're building a championship team, you don't have to build it that way where it's in flux from year to year. Georgia's roster is 5% through the portal. That's pretty similar to the way Ohio state's managed it for now. It's it's all going to come around. Don't worry. It it's it's all going to become the same. It's it's just a, it's just terrible. It's just such it's such a shame what we've done to this beautiful game. Uh, but anyway, um, the Ohio State did offer a defensive tackle from the transfer portal on Thursday. That's his name is Marley Cook from Middle Tennessee State, six foot two, three hundred pound kid, um, productive player at Middle Tennessee State. Played pretty well against Alabama earlier this year. Had. Uh, 13 and a half sacks, I think, in the last two years. So good player there. Um, Thor Griffith, who's one of like the on the the freaks list uh, from the athletic that goes out before the season started. Thor Griffith was uh, high on that list. He's another defensive tackle. Uh, he's from Harvard that the Buckeyes are very uh, interested in. He's originally from New Hampshire. So there's, I guess, a little bit of a tie there maybe for Ryan Day. Uh, he's He's been quoted as saying he wants to play at Ohio State or Michigan, which, you know, whatever. Uh, I think that what a what a weird thing to say. Does you got to appreciate the rivalry, buddy? You can't yeah, I mean, you can't want to play for both. You can appreciate it, just uh, not till you pick a side, and then you can hate the other team forever. Um, so I mean, clearly, defensive tackle, especially with the loss of Justin Scott, the five star defensive tackle commitment in the class of twenty twenty four on Wednesday night, like defensive tackle becomes a, a priority. Um, linebacker is one spot where I have been told that is an absolute priority for Ohio State in this cycle. So. Uh, which again, you look at it and you go, why when you have Gabe Powers and CJ Hicks and maybe Cody Simon, but beyond those guys, it's pretty sparse there. And then you look even at the class of 2023, only you brought in Arvell Reese, who's now playing a quasi defensive end role. And you have Nigel Glover, like you definitely need some bodies at linebacker. 
Uh, and I think that there's an argument to be made at safety as well for Ohio State, but uh, that will have to rely on someone just being a, a real superstar that becomes available because uh, other losses that we expect in the portal um, will we'll cut some depth there. And and then you, you go, you know, th- uh, the point is at this juncture for college football and even at a place like Ohio State, any position that you can find a guy who's better than the guy you have, you, you need to at least consider upgrading. And that's loyalty needs to be out the window at this point. Uh, Burn, do you think just going to put you on the spot with it? Um, do you think it's a coincidence that it's two defensive tackles really at the front of the list, just that they're, they have the opportunity to already be in there and Ohio state wants to be involved as, I don't know, just in case or actual concern that maybe they get, they lose both Tyleek and Mike Hall right now. Uh, probably more of a real concern that they're going to lose Tyleek and Mike Hall. Um, I think the Mike Hall thing, I mean, we, we don't ever like to conjecture on players and their decisions. And I think he, he to me, Mike Hall is like Jerome Baker in 2016. Uh, he's a kid that you look at in the way that he was used in the defense and you wonder, did the Buckeyes get enough out of him? And the answer will be no. But then you look at his skill set and his ability to make plays. And I think he's going to have a really good NFL career. And he's probably going to be a kid that uh, surprises people when he decides to move on if that's what he opts for this season, which is what I expect um, because he's going to have a better opportunity to, to get on the field in the NFL than he does at Ohio state for some reason. Last Saturday was, I think kind of the first time all year. I don't know if you agree with this or not, Bill, where we talked about Ty Leak, Ty Hamilton had been really steady and then ups and downs for Mike Hall throughout the year. Saturday was the first time where it felt like every time Mike Hall was on the field, he was making something happen and that, and, and, it was the first and only time maybe I felt all year. I was like, well, I'm kind of wondering where Mike Hall is right now and why he's not getting a heavier workload in this game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, I know the Michigan State game last year was kind of wild, but I actually think this Michigan game might have been the best game of Mike's career. Um, and it ended up where kind of similar, I guess, every game of the season was like Tyleek Williams kind of played one spot and then Mike Hall and Ty Hamilton rotated through the other. And and I... I, not that I thought any of the three played terribly, but you know, I didn't, I didn't think Tyleek had his best game. I didn't think Ty had his best game, and I think Mike did have his best game. So I was like, kind of waiting for them to just settle on the idea that Mike had to be out there on every play. And I guess they never came around to it. But it was also the kind of game where maybe Mike Hall feels like he should go out on a performance like that, right? It was they were playing up against a a good offensive line that had some good interior players, and there were a few times where I thought. He made Drake Nugent, the Michigan center, especially uh, look a little silly out there. And then, and then I think kind of handled his own against Zach Zinter before Zinter got hurt as well. So um, it was it was for, it was for me the type of game that I kind of always envisioned my call playing in terms of impacting run and pass. Um, it'll just be a shame if like that finally happened and it was his last game for the Buckeyes. But um, it wouldn't surprise me if if either of you know if if both those guys, Tyleek and Mike, decide they want to go. I, I wouldn't be shocked by that. Berm, you mentioned that. In this era of the portal, if there's an opportunity to improve at every position, you have to consider it. That sounds like what we hear a lot on the message board at ohiostate.rivals.com about the quarterback spot. We, uh, I think all three of us, have been informed that Ohio State is not likely um, to pursue anybody at quarterback. Why is that the case, and do you agree with it? I think it's the case because you have to find someone that is demonstrably and 
uh, objectively better than what you have. And that is a challenge because there are not a lot of, despite the hand wringing over Kyle McCord from the Ohio State fan base all year and, and the, the step back in quality at quarterback from CJ Stroud and Justin Fields and Dwayne Haskins to Kyle McCord, which is not an indictment on Kyle McCord, which I think needs to be made clear that those are three of the best quarterbacks in Ohio State history that he was, you know, preceded by. Um, I, I don't know that there are guys out there. You can make a, a case, I guess, for um, Riley Leonard or someone like that, that that's in the portal. But who is who is guaranteed to run this offense better than Kyle McCord did? And I think that's the question you have to ask. Because if you bring in a, a guy to compete to, to win the starting quarterback job, you go from a quarterback room of Kyle McCord and Devin Brown and, and Lincoln Keenholz and Aaron Nolan to that guy you bring in. Lincoln Keenholz and Aaron Nolan, and and you are going to push out two five star quarterbacks in Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Now again, if you have someone that is you know for sure, if there's a Justin Fields out there, go ahead and do that. But there's not a Justin Fields out there. There's not a Trevor Lawrence out there. There's not that dude in the transfer portal that you are just going to go take uh, from someone else. So that's why, like we say, it's not likely to happen. We've all been informed it's not the likely path. But you don't know. Maybe something does come up in the next month that all of a sudden changes the calculus. But until then, Ohio State believes in its ability to develop quarterbacks, and you are not likely to get a better outcome from someone coming in as a rental over a quarterback who's been in your system for four years. Yeah, I think that that's kind of how I view it. Like Kyle McCord is still top 20 quarterback in college football, I think. And Ohio State wants to have a top five quarterback, right? Or, or you know, the, the number one quarterback. That's what that's what Ohio State is is used to having. So I'm not I'm not saying that like he's top 20, deal with it. That's good enough. But um unless you're telling me one of those guys ahead of him and one of those guys in the top five to ten is suddenly going to decide he wants to wants a chain of scene, change of scenery, excuse me. Or, you know, I the Justin Fields example is an interesting one, right? Like is there a really young highly touted prospect that just decides after one year he wants to go somewhere else like a dante Moore. like i and i don't know if that's going to happen but like that's the profile of player i'm talking about not that i think yeah, if you're talking jackson Arnold as good as, yeah yeah jackson arnold's a good one too if you're yeah. talking someone like that enters the transfer portal this conversation changes i think but yeah. until then it's moot and so you know i don't know how you can look around the country and say well we have to go get a quarterback when there's just not one to get yeah i mean i think right there's Certainly teams have conversations with players before they get into the portal, right? Like <laughs> Riley Leonard hops into the portal with a do not contact tag and everyone's like, he's going to Notre Dame. It's like, how did that happen? So like, it's possible to, to foster those conversations, I suppose. But if we're, if we're to assess what the landscape looks like right now, there's not an, an upgrade. Like it has to be a slam dunk because you're like, Berm said, you're blowing up your quarterback room if you do it. So there has to be an absolute no brainer out there at the moment. There's not. Um, I think if like Michael Pratt from Tulane were to decide he wants to enter the portal and not go to the NFL, that is a guy that I think is worth looking at. I think the list of guys who could potentially be worth looking at is very short for Ohio State. And at the moment, there's nobody out there that I would put on that list. Why do you say that about Pratt? Good player, like accurate passer, athletic, um, just like he's an NFL quarterback. I don't, I don't know that Kyle McCord is, but Michael quick, Pratt is. Quick reader of the field. Guy does a really nice job, like – See in the field, very, very high football IQ. Okay, I, I don't. I'm. I'm not. I don't have any opinion on him one way or the other. I'm just wondering what because you've mentioned him previously, like, and you've also been pretty clear 
build it. Like Cam Ward would not be that guy. So I think yeah. you've seen more of both of those guys than I've seen more of Cam Ward, and I don't really like what I see there. I don't think that that's worth blowing up your quarterback room for. No, I agree. If you're like, you can watch Cam Ward highlights and get very excited. I would implore you to watch a full Cam Ward game. Uh, and then if you're someone who who is, uh, you know, uh, not impressed with some of the quarterback decision making you've seen from Ohio State this year, watch my man at Washington State and then tell me how you feel. <laughs> hey, who who was the second team All Big Ten quarterback? I didn't I, I didn't see the full list. I know JJ McCarthy was first team and Kyle McCord was third. Who was second team? Does it tell you? Yeah. yeah. Is, is that who it was? Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to talk about it. Speaking let's, of watching games. Yeah. The last, last half of the season, my goodness. Let's not let's not talk about it. Um so there's also coaching management. It's that season as well. Uh Jim Knowles has frequently come up throughout the week as a candidate at Duke and potential inter- interviewing with Duke. I have talked to people familiar with that search who do not believe that Jim Knowles is uh, a serious, you know, serious candidate to win that job. I guess for any other lack of better term, we'll see what happens with that. He's going to be in demand. Uh, He's he's done good work, not uh, in the second half on Saturday in the game, but he's still widely respected across the profession. So to me, he doesn't strike me as someone who should be in charge as a head coach. I think for the most part. Jim Knowles tends to agree with that, but you also don't turn down interviews to be a head coach again and the money that can come with that if someone is offering it to you. Uh, but that's really the only thing that's been going on for Ohio State coaches in this offseason. Justin Fry was, I think, loosely linked to Indiana, but they need someone who's, an, who's a proven head coach and has done it before. I don't expect that uh, he will wind up getting that job at his alma mater. And Parker Fleming is still the special teams coordinator. So, uh, Nothing else going on on that front. The Jim Knowles watch, I guess, would be the most important thing for Ohio State going into championship weekend. Yeah, I think it sounds like Indiana is going to hire the JMU guy, I think, as, as we're sitting here recording this. So I don't I don't think Justin Fry is, is one to worry about, nor nor do I think Jim Knowles is. Um, it would be really bad. Like I know people are un, unenamored with Jim Knowles at the moment. Um, this program has suffered from a serious lack of continuity on the defensive coaching side. Um, it would not be, in my opinion, the best thing in the world to lose Jim Knowles at this juncture. I, I don't think they're going to, but um, that would be a, a pretty big deal, I think, for Ohio State. Um, it's probably not the time, right, to move on. Like, I, I guess you could fire. You could have fired Parker Fleming after the mission game if you wanted to. Um, there's a lot of time here, I think, for Ryan Day to, to make these moves that we, you know, we expect them to make. I don't, I don't think any of us believes the coaching staff's going to look um, how it looks now. You know, 30, 30 days from now, but. Um, I don't know that these no, things, things need to happen immediately. Yeah, 10 days from now, right? I mean, the I, reality is Ohio, Ohio State is waiting to see if they're in the playoff. So they're not going to make those sort of decisions, those broad sweeping strokes before Sunday. And anyone who expected them to, I think, is is looking through things at, at a very myopically. And uh, I think the interesting thing about Jim Knowles is what, with all the other coaching carousel stuff happening around the country, a place like Texas A&M, which is going to have a large, large pool of money for their assistant coaches, with a coach like Mike Elko, who he's familiar with, and, and is there a possibility that you could see a, an SEC school offer him three and a half million dollars to be a, a defensive coordinator? And I think that that possibility exists. And so that's somewhere where I think you could see a surprise if you're looking at the coaching staff. But I, I, uh, I don't think Ohio State's in a position where they would want to 
you know, increase Jim Knowles' salary by 50% if that's what it took. And so then you all of a sudden have a different conversation. But the idea that anybody on this current staff is going to be a head coach elsewhere in the next year is, is not. It's, that's moot. That's nonsensical. I, I think I have to disagree about the myopic part with Parker Fleming on that burn because even if they're in the playoff, and I understand that like it hasn't happened and Ryan Day is clearly waiting till they get their verdict, but if even if Ohio State was in the playoff, they would have a month and more than enough people who have special teams experience and quality control people and analysts to manage special teams for that game in a way that's at least on par with what Ohio State was getting from Parker Fleming. And from your perspective, right, could, they would immediately be able to let James Laurinaitis go on the road recruiting, which seems like a pretty big deal to me rather than Parker Fleming. Yeah, and that's true, uh, but none of that is going to start happening until Monday anyway, so right. there's no reason for that to be a priority until after Saturday's games. Okay, that's fair. I think uh, you're right. I mean, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying there's no there's no real value in it for Ohio State to to add any any additional layer of perceived panic on top of what's already happened in the last week. That makes sense. That's it has been weird. it has been a relatively quiet week for Ohio State. So uh, a lot of this is forward looking as it has been for the last several days after Ohio State lost the game. Championship weekend on tap. We know what Ohio State likely needs to happen if they're going to get back in the field. We broke a lot of that down on Thursday on the pick show, uh, and we will be back. We're not going to have – Bill, do you, have any, do you and Doug have anything planned for the weekend, or are we just going to wait till Sunday? We are going to have a live Kings of the North on Sunday after the playoff picks, um, talking about whatever happens. Obviously, you know, if Ohio State makes the playoff, we'll, we'll talk about it there, and we'll have uh, you know probably adjusted plans as well. But regardless, we will be live on the Kings of the North channel on Sunday. Yeah. All right. So nothing going on on Saturday, and then we'll all regroup after those games to break down Ohio State's postseason destination. We are expecting Ryan Day to have a press conference late in the afternoon, no matter where they're going. And we will bring that to you and any updates that come from the Buckeyes at that point. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the football. Enjoy anything else if you want to get away from it for a couple of days. We completely understand. He's Bill. That's Berm. I am Austin Ward. This has been the Podcast Daily for Freaky Friday. Enjoy your weekend.